everyone, welcome back to Illuminate. We're so excited to jump into part two of our conversation with our very own Austin Barrett, front of house sound engineer here at Hope. Uh, if you haven't heard the first part of this episode, go ahead and check in with that one first as we continue this conversation about production in ministry. There's another interesting like debate is where do you draw the line of meeting what society would want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like if you take Passion Conference, okay, which I would probably argue is one of, if not the largest Christian gathering, at least in the United States, if not across the world. Um, and this year was their largest production yet. 2,000 LED panels. Um, and then 510 LED floor panels and a 263-foot-wide um, LED screen across the back wall, right? And we say that. That's incredible. And then I don't know about Hannah, but for me, I'm thinking how much money that's costing. How much did that um, cost, do you think? <clears throat> oh, gosh. <laughs> I, and I'm sure they rented it in a way they own that. Um, I would go to Venture, like, all-encompassing their production, so audio Video lighting. I mean, you're well over five hundred thousand, if not well over a million. Like, yeah. I mean, astronomical amounts of money. Right. However, they did that and brought sixty-five thousand people to one place to worship the Lord. Right. Um, and who knows what sort of kingdom impact has come from that? And in addition to sixty-five thousand people in the room, I think it was over one hundred and fifty countries represented um, yeah. online and and all these other things. So the argument becomes. Yeah, that is an astronomical amount of money, and that money could have been spent on anything else and would have gone right. a very far way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to bring in a certain crowd doing that. Um, so I, I don't know. I would love your opinion on, like, where do you draw the line in investing in production equipment to create an environment that is enticing to the to society? Um, and I, I guess that's also a hard question to say because society's different, right? My grandpa's a part of society and there's not a chance in this world you would find him at a passion conference um, and enjoying it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be really <laughs> upset about something. Um, and he's incredible, but um, he's the type that brings out a sound meter and if it's at 85 decibels, he's going to let you know. <laughs> so, you know, he, he would be upset about it. But I think there is a, a demographic in our society that go to church because of the production. Um, and I think that's why you see like some of the larger churches that have larger congregations and a lot of them are younger because they enjoy it. They want to feel like they're at a concert. They want that feel. Um, so do you think by where our line is, are we missing out on that demographic? Uh, or do you think that we should be doing more to bring in that demographic. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I have like the m- most boring answer, but I like kind of <laughs> just keep coming back to if every church tried to be everything for everybody, like mm-hmm. something would just fall short always. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's better to just look at your strengths and like mm-hmm. calling and just go all in on that. Like I think for Hope Fellowship, our primary calling like to, in all things we do, help people become and belong and I think if we were significantly more uh, focused on reaching as far as possible just to get like a, a larger global mm-hmm. following, 
um, I would imagine some things would start falling short and mm-hmm. <laughs> not mm-hmm. going well because <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that like reflected in, in Mark's heart right. and vision. Um, whereas I think there's 100% for a place for the passion cities and the elevation who, um, honestly, like just as a someone who like loves seeking out worship music mm-hmm. and finds it like really edifying. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be drawn towards the videos that just look aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when Elevation did their Paradoxology album, mm-hmm. which was like, you know, version of their um, Hallelujah Here Below album. They did like a whole music video that was like a continue. It looked like yeah. a continuous shot of like the whole album. And I wow. freaked out. Cause like, I love, I just love things that are done with excellence mm-hmm. and creative. And you could just see so much creative passion. And I think God inspired, um, creativity go behind the production of that video. And I know I felt just really impacted by it. I still like think about it. It was just something like really yeah. cool. And, um, and so it reached me um, in a way that was impactful. But I think it was because it um, somewhere along the line, like there was someone in that process who was called to do that and mm-hmm. and was inspired. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And just to go off that point, too, I think, you know, I try to listen to three to five sermons now every single week. Mm-hmm. I just want to be edified, but two, like I want to hone the gift that I feel God has given mm-hmm. and and work on that. And so I take notes on other people's sermons and their rhetoric and the way that they speak, the way that they emphasize certain things, what they choose to emphasize when they're preaching through a passage. Um, I listen to two churches that are my friends' churches, um, and they are probably some of the hardest sermons to listen to because I still remember one of them was the guy started talking and the volume was so low that I had to put in headphones, put it all the way up, and I could still barely hear him. But then like 15 minutes in, somebody fixed the problem and I just got blasted. <laughs> like it was just like, oh my gosh. Like, I threw my headphones on like, you know, you're like shocked and everything like that. My dog's flipping out. Um, and I think it's like, and all of a sudden I just missed five minutes of the sermon. Mm-hmm. And I'm so concentrated on just even trying to hear what they're saying that I'm missing the core of what he's trying to communicate. And it's like there's a church named Discovery Church in Orlando. Mm-hmm. They do incredible things. They have, they've invested so much money into their production um, and into their video format because they've recognized that they have so many people watching from around the world. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, we want to cultivate this for those people because they may not be getting church where they're at. Um, churches are closing down at an enormous rate in mm-hmm. countries where governments don't support churches and everything like that. So people just for finances reasons aren't necessarily hearing a gospel-driven message. So they're looking to platforms that have that, all that to say, um, and I'm, oh, so they said more money has been invested in the last, I think it was like two years in um, like a social media person type thing mm-hmm. and a production element mm-hmm. um, than in the past like 20 years combined or something like that. And it was kind of one of those like for salary purposes. And I just thought, I found that so interesting because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking outside of just who the population is that you're talking to and who what the strengths are, um, that you find in your church and as unique as they may be. I think the third thing is as technology advances, I think the church is going to um, adopt that technology mm-hmm. to then be able to proclaim the gospel. At a, mm-hmm. I mean, right, like I always think of uh, Christ says he'll come back when every nation, tribe, and tongue have, has heard of his name. But he doesn't specify how that could be done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I always started, mm-hmm. I started thinking about that, honestly, like about six months ago when I was having a debate with uh, some people about the same topic of like, should we, how much money should we be investing in production? And one of them mentioned it to me and it just really got me thinking of like, what if Christ comes back because his name has been proclaimed everywhere because a part of that was done through 
production. And like mm-hmm. somebody heard the gospel that would have never heard it through an online platform of a church. Mm-hmm. And it was just because they were really good at promoting it. And for some reason it popped up on their social media mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. somehow they got internet access and there was uh, a televangelist. I mean, we could go back 30 years and start talking, debating televangelists and should mm-hmm. we be, you know, it's like mm-hmm. just because I, I think the third thing is like technology is advancing in a way that we can proclaim the gospel in new ways to the next generation that might only hear the gospel through their phone, watching a TikTok or mm-hmm. <laughs> a five-minute, go- you know what I mean? It's like, it's mm-hmm. like yeah, it sounds silly to us. It sounds silly to me as I'm only 24, and yet that still sounds silly. Like, no one's going to come to the gospel through TikTok or nobody's going to come. But it's like, no, they very well could. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit can work in whatever way, I mean, he wants to work. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that, that um, that's the third, for me, that's the third component. Just thinking through this is technology has advanced. So it's not that the church is going to be dictated by anything like that, but that the church can adapt that adopt that um, to better communicate the gospel and to better communicate Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. I think that's... I think that advancement also just brings, like, more accessibility. Like, I think yeah. if you look at, like, any of the technologies that we have, mm-hmm. like, if we were trying to buy the same product 20 years ago, it would be, like, way out of budget for us, but mm-hmm. technology has yeah. progressed so that they're just easier to manufacture. It's not, like, the cutting-edge technology anymore, right. so it's just more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't think it's it's a bad thing for churches to be incorporating those as it becomes something that they can just now have access to that is helpful. Mm-hmm. It's easy to see just uh, some sort of incorporation of, like, if we had an LED screen here at Hope because it was something that became, like, accessible and necessary mm-hmm. to us, um, you know, we... Right now it's not something that fits those qualifications, but just because it is in like mm-hmm. another like five ten years doesn't mean it's a bad thing and we're suddenly going back on or if mm-hmm. like hope does um find you know a calling to be media platforms driven mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't think that's being like unfaithful that was that's look at how many churches started <laughs> focus on production through COVID because we were all forced to right like hope made a lot of decisions um, partly because we wanted to continue to communicate the gospel mm-hmm. in an effective way. And so we made decisions based on that. It wasn't like that dictated us and like it forced our hand type thing. I think what it made us realize is that we could have an impact in a greater volume um, by not just, uh, by still focusing on the community that's in front of us, right? I mean, we don't, we're not, like what you said, we're not focused on the, the world, getting our mess, getting hope's message out to the world type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a goal. Like we are, mm-hmm. we want to be mission focused and we want to be focused on getting the gospel out there, but we're still focused on helping people in Anderson community become and belong so that they can go and in turn be disciple makers in their workplaces, in their families, and for those who travel anywhere else they go. Um, and so that is still our core focus is, is the people here to shepherd and guide them and grow them so they can go out. But then with COVID, I think that's a, you know another component of this thing is what happens then in the future when this has opened the door for, well, what if something else happens like this mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. something like that where it's like, well, we want to be prepared. We want to be stewards um, of what God has given us and the responsibilities that God has given us as a church in the community of Anderson to be able to still proclaim his name um, in an effective, distraction-free environment and way. And if that comes down to making sure production is sound, then I think that's um, still honoring to God and still people focused for sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up COVID because I think COVID has caused the church and production in the church to explode. Um, And there's a lot of controversy over it um, as to whether or not 
churches should bend to it? Should we have an online platform? Is that going to prevent people from coming back? Is that going to prevent us from meeting in person? Um, or do we going to lose that element? And, and maybe, I, I don't have a, a clear, definite opinion. I, and I think those are valid questions to right. work through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Right, and I, I'm definitely riding the fence on a lot of them because I, I don't know, I haven't read enough, I haven't prayed enough to really have a solid opinion. But what I will say um, is because this has caused so many churches to go online and to push um, the gospel online and created re- a lot of creative avenues um, for presenting their message, I think so many people have been impacted by that that would not have been, been impacted. Um, when we were doing our live recordings for services, um, it was pretty early on. This might have been like week four, week five of doing it. Um, and at the time, like my full-time job was chaos. We tried to figure out things there um, and then trying to step in and figure out how do we not only just go online, but how do we go online well um, and the work that went into it. it. And that's another piece. I don't think a lot of people really understand the amount of work that goes into make production great or excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we were doing online for during COVID, uh, like we would record, we would practice, run through, record on Thursday, um, and then had from Thursday at like 8 p.m. until Friday at 4 p.m. to get all the audio edited into the best of our ability, sounding incredible, and exported so that um, our creative arts director at the time could take that, mesh it with the video that he had been working on all night, and then put it all together and then work all night to get it done, mm-hmm. have a little break on a Saturday, and then we're right back at it 7 a.m. Sunday to get it actually streamed out to the world. Um, and then we got wise and redid our schedule, so we started doing stuff <laughs> on Tuesday to give us an extra day. Um, anyway, I, I, I go back to um, how this has been so impactful for people, and, and I don't have permission to share this story, so I won't use names, but um, on that week four or week five, somebody had reached out to me, and their daughter um, was in an abusive relationship and uh, still may be. I don't know all the details of it. Um, but they, she wasn't allowed to go to church, uh, mm-hmm. essentially is what it came down to. Lived in America, um, like not one of the crazy third world um, human trafficking stories, like mm-hmm. uh, very much lived in America, legally married, the, the whole thing. Um, but the relationship had turned abusive and she was not allowed to go to church. But because of COVID and because of so many churches were pushing their message online, she was able to hear the gospel um, via Facebook, via a live stream of a church service. Um, and her husband never found out. She was never, quote unquote, punished for that. She mm. was never you know, persecuted by her husband for that. Um, or even worse, uh, being beaten or, or something mm-hmm. more extreme. Um, but she was able to hear the gospel and was able to continue to hear the gospel and continue to be fed spiritually for weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe now even indefinitely because of COVID, because mm-hmm. churches responded to COVID by saying, we're not going to give up. We're just going to, we're going to flex a little bit. We're going to do whatever we need to do because what we have to communicate is important. Um, and I think, I really think we will never know the true impact that that has had on the kingdom of God yeah. um, until the day we die and we see um, who's in heaven with us. That I think may not have been, uh, may not have been exposed to the gospel and may not um, have accepted Jesus if the church didn't respond the way that it did to COVID. 
um, in where we are now. And, and who's to say if we should stay like this or what's to come in the future? And definitely arguments on both sides and good arguments on both mm-hmm. sides. Yeah. Do we keep online platforms? Do we do away with them? What, do we do a hybrid? Who, who knows what the right answer is and, yeah. and where we go? But nonetheless, like, there have been negatives of it, and we've seen church attendance decline. But we've also seen the opposite and have seen some really amazing things um, that, in my mind, even justifies the the need for a production team, the, mm-hmm. the money that goes to pay for salaries, the money that goes to pay for um, equipment um, is there. One person came to, to know Jesus and hear the gospel because of what the church was doing online. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that one person we know about, how many more do we not know about? Um, and could come because of what we're investing in that. I think this is kind of bringing us back to the the core of what each we want each of these conversations to be, and that's just communicating the why, because there are good arguments on both sides. I think as uh, we're talking about uh, church leaders who are making these decisions, and then you have churchgoers who see the outcome of those decisions, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I think are left wondering, why was that decision made? We're, we're just trying to bring everyone into this conversation of why we do things the way that we do things. Um, and so I think when it comes to production at Hope Fellowship, take for instance like the sound system, um, right? We're raising money for the sound system. We have the speakers on stage, right? That makes us look like a traditional older <laughs> church. Um, you know, and we said that we're raising, you know, 60000 dollars for that. We're spending that much money on it. Why did we come to that conclusion? Why aren't we just singing a cappella um, now and saving all that money or fundraising that money and then, you know, diverting it to... Um, bringing on a couple more people onto our team that could really help us out, bringing it and, uh, you know, paying for a missions person's salary or anything like that. Why do we, how did we kind of come to the, even the conclusion to say, we're going to spend this much money on, on speakers? Some background, I guess, to, to what happened with the speakers and, and how we got where we are. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night practice mm-hmm. that they died, or yeah. two of them died, <laughs> completely out of the blue. Uh, and we've known for a long time, they're old, I think they're 20 the 25 years old, um, so that would be speakers and cabling and the amps, uh, for the most part, are, are old um, and have just had Band-Aids put on them to make, make it work and make it keep going because of how much of an investment it is, right? Um, and so they died on a Thursday, um, our two center speakers did, um, and then it was kind of like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Because uh, we got to make it to Sunday. And a lot, no, I don't think anybody knows this, or I hasn't even talked about, but the day before, Mark and I had lunch. Um, and we're just chit-chatting. And for the since I've been on staff and I've written the budget for production, I've always included, like, $50,000 for sound system. Kind of as a joke to rig, <laughs> but also at the same exact time of getting on paper, just so people know, like, hey, we really do need to start thinking about this number. Yeah. Um, we really do need to start um, planning for this, because if it's not this year, maybe it's next year. It's, it's going to happen. They mm-hmm. Everything has a shelf life, right? Um, and so we had just had that conversation of, like, you know, do we have contingencies in place? If it does go out, you know, the Sunday morning or the day before, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then... Um, sure enough, the next day it goes out, and I called him um, that evening at like 8.30, um, and I was like, hey, so you remember what we were just talking about? <laughs> well, it's happened, um, and a uh, little stressed, um, love some direction, and we're really fortunate um, to have a great partnership with AU and Campus mm. Ministries, yeah. and we're able to get this system um, from their facility to our facility um, on Friday with, I think, less than an hour's notice, and able to rally the people to do it um and then 
hats off to Brad, um, who's on our team and is incredible and does so much more um, than anybody would ever expect him to do. Um, but he came in Friday night and helped me, and we were here until um, at midnight at least, if not later, um, setting it up, running all the cables, testing it, and tuning it for our room, and, and really trying to do everything that we could to make the room sound as great as we could in the situation. Um, and then that Monday, conversation started of, all right, we've waited a little too late for this, but here we are, this is the situation, um, and we've got to start talking through what are our next steps. Um, and I would honestly say the conversation truly started probably two years ago. Because mm. um, I remember first coming on, uh, and I had been on as a volunteer for maybe six months, and, and we started talking about it even then between me and Brad, and I think Kendall was here, and um, maybe it was around the time that Ryan was here, and we started talking of like, hey, we could definitely improve things. Like, the speaker, part of it's dead and sounds pretty rough, and we're, we're limping by, and it's okay. But um, we started dreaming then of what we could do um, and um, what we felt like would be best for our room and for our budget. So I, the system itself has been in the works for years. Um, but in terms of, like, actually, let's do it, um, started, I, I think, that Monday. And I think I actually started with Hannah making a phone call to a friend mm -hmm. Um, who now works with the, the organization that we're working with um, that came in and they get some measurements and send it off to another company who comes up with CAD drawings for um, what our room looks like and what our room needs acoustically and what speakers best match that. And then they came back to us and we had some more in-depth conversations all at the same time that Daniel was coming onto the team and onboarding um, in his new role and what his responsibilities are with all of this. Um, and then there's some back and forth, right, of, nope, we don't like that, or that doesn't make sense, or um, that's a little too expensive, and, and we work it all out and finally come to a game plan um, and have some really high hopes and, and maybe even um, arrogantly or, or naive thinking that, oh, yeah, this is going to be great and it's going to be done next week, um, <laughs> all to hit, be hit with the reality of COVID and um, supply chain issues and all of that where exactly what we need is now being custom built for us, which is great and it's going to be incredible, um, but we don't know what's going to get there and when it does get there, we don't know how long it's going to sit on a shipping container in a shipping yard and then we don't know how long it's going to take to get it to a truck and to get it to you and get it set up and um, so that's been going on for a while um, in terms of you know, kind of where we're at, what we're waiting on is, is shipping, like everything is, is bought and, and paid for. Um, but, and then I think it begs the question that you asked is like, why? Why do we, right. why do we feel that it's necessary to invest that much money into sound equipment? Um, and why are we getting that sound equipment as opposed to um, running down to Greenville and, you know, buying something that was made in the United States that, um, we can just pick up off a shelf and, and implement. I think it comes down to a couple of things for me specifically. Um, one is distraction-free. So what, what's hard for audio is like it's something that's heard, not seen. But like looking at the CAD drawings, it takes what is heard and makes it seen. Um, so like we sat down and looked at these drawings of what is what are these speakers going to do in this room? What is it going to actually hear or um, what is it going to 
feel like sitting in this seat as opposed to this seat? And what can this speaker do that no other speaker can do for? And so, sure, we could go and maybe save 10 grand and and get a different brand and, and have it installed next week. But what are we sacrificing to do that? Um, is it just another Band-Aid to a problem that is going to explode again in three years or thinking long-term? Um, and I would say this is um, something that I really appreciate about Mark and have learned a lot under his leadership is not just thinking about what can we do for today and tomorrow, but what can we do for 10 years from now? Um, and I think that is the reason that we ultimately landed on where we landed, um, on the price that we landed on and on the equipment that we landed on is, yes, it is going to be incredible for today and for tomorrow. Um, but based on everything that we know about the technology of these speakers specifically, um, and their reputation and their company and everything that we can, the research that we can do and learn about it, we feel like this is the best investment long-term. Right, we think that we can get another ten to twelve years out of these speakers. Whereas if we just ran down to Guitar Center and grabbed some uh, JBL line arrays and put those in, yeah, they'd sound great. You probably wouldn't even be able to tell a difference in terms of sound quality. It's probably going to be pretty close to the same, um, especially if you don't have them side by side. You would never know. Um, but then you have to consider what's the shelf life of those. Yeah. Are we going to be right back in the same situation in three years of doing through all of this again because now these have died on us because we wanted to sacrifice for a lower quality uh, because it fit better in our budget or because it was easier to get. What can we do to best set up Hope Fellowship for the long run? Um, even if the three of us in this room aren't here in 10 years, that the decisions that we're making now is going to allow the church to continue to move forward and continue to do what it needs to do um, without any major foreseeable distractions or issues or problems i don't know Hannah, how, do you, how do you feel about it yeah i think you hit everything just spot on for what we prioritize and i remember like in one of our initial conversations um i think it was like with our consultant they like came into the room to just look at our current setup and i just remember them pointing out you know oh i can see that this room used to be different like we used to have like the upper balcony seating and uh for the the time period and the style of music of cornerstone at the time and then the the budget that they probably had the speakers they picked were great for like mm-hmm. all of those circumstances but now 2021 Hope Fellowship has a just completely different set of circumstances for like mm-hmm. what needs we are trying to fulfill, um, what kind of audience we have, what type of music we're playing, um, just completely changed. So if we just tried to one for one replace what we already had, we wouldn't be taking any steps toward our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in tandem with, yeah, just that 10 year planning, making sure we're getting something that's going to serve the future of Hope Fellowship, mm-hmm. not just the present of Hope Fellowship. I think just hearing this too, I think it's kind of in my mind, like, I think a larger issue too is, well, one, yeah, this is not a flippant decision made. Uh, this mm-hmm. is something that, and this is a model, like we, we do this in any decision that we make right? from right. the smallest of thing that people would say, oh, like, you know, I, we've talked about this already, but the Christmas Eve service uh, that we did, uh, we, did, we talked for like 
in two different meetings, probably told like four and a half, five hours about just when to do it. Mm-hmm. And people would hear that. You know, I was talking to my friend. They're like, and they're like, well, why would you? That's so stupid. Like, it's mm-hmm. such a waste of time. And we're like, yeah, but you have so much other things to think about than just a time. Like, mm-hmm. we want the most people to be able to, to come that would be able to come to hear the gospel, to hear about the greatest gift ever given <laughs> to us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to think about, well, people, not everyone work a job where they would get Christmas Eve off. So when mm-hmm. do stores get off in Anderson? Um, how much time would give them time for dinner? We want to respect people's traditions that they have on Christmas Eve um, that we know are very dear and near to their hearts if they have families to spend Christmas Eve with. And so, right, it's whatever decision that we're thinking of. We're not just making a decision just to – we're not making a decision based on just what other churches are doing. We say, well, that church has done something that's successful, so let's just adopt that. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're not just saying, well, this seems to be a good sound system, so let's do that. There's so many things encompassing that. Um, I think in my conversations that I've had with people who have issues with churches spending money on production, I think not all of them, and I don't want to make a general statement, but I think oftentimes fail to see production as a ministry in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, right, we put in a box what ministry can be, saying that ministry is preachers um, and, and worship, and, and that's really it. And so, and you see that even like in your workplace, that's not ministry, or my wife is going to be a physical therapist, that's not ministry, that's a physical mm-hmm. therapist. But I think that's, that's, I think, what we have to get better at, what I have to get better at, is viewing all these things as ministry. Every single thing that we do in our life can be a, a platform for the gospel. Mm-hmm. The way that we do production um, and how well we do it can be a platform for the gospel, right? Um, I think this is a model that each of us tried to adapt as Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as mm-hmm. working for the Lord, mm-hmm. not for human masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that I've heard Mark preach to us constantly. I mean, we have it up on our wall in our offices is make it better. There's mm-hmm. a poster that just says, make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the challenge is, right, what should we be content with here? And what should we recognize that's good so we should replicate? But then two, what are areas that we need to make it better in this ministry? Not just events, not just the way we do a Sunday morning, but what are ways that we can make it better when it comes to the cables that we use? Mm-hmm. How can we make it better with the times that we do events? How can we make it better for um, the people so that Christ crucified can be taught? And I think that is, you know, if, if you're coming into this or whatever church you're at, I think what you should be looking at is not necessarily the way that they do things, but the why behind why they do mm-hmm. things. For us, our heart is to make this as good as it can possibly be mm-hmm. so that Christ can ultimately be most glorified in what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one in this conversation that I've had with you guys today is what I've seen mm-hmm. um, from your eyes' hearts and what you guys are saying is our heart is to make it better um, and our heart is to make it and to do every single thing that we do which is all ministry, whether it be me preaching on a Sunday morning or me leading a college or connection group um, to Austin leading front of house on a Sunday morning and um, Hannah uh, speaking into a microphone telling people when to come in and when when they're switching to a bridge or something like that. All of those things, our goal, I think, and our heart in all those is to do it with as much excellence, not to please people, um, not to make the congregation happy, although that comes with it, hopefully, if we're doing it well, mm-hmm. um, but is to serve God and to serve God alone. And I think each of us have a calling in our hearts, um, and it's evident in the way that you guys have been talking, that you guys have a heart for ministry and when it comes to cables um, <laughs> and, and when it comes to speakers and all those things. I think that's beautiful to see because that is just as much ministry as Mark getting up on a Sunday morning and preaching. Yeah, 
Nathan, I'm proud of you for using front of house. Hey, thank Look you. you. Just want to say, I, I, I learned some lingo. AVL, front of house. It's, yeah. it's no big deal. Cables. Snakes. You said snakes at the very beginning, and I definitely wanted to make sure that we clarified that Austin did not go to a snake handling church. I did not. No. Okay, good. Anyways. Someone's going to be like, Austin Barrett went to a snake handling church? Oh my gosh. make a glossary for this episode. Yeah, no kidding. But I'm glad you said that, and you don't have to put this in the podcast. If you don't want to, but I think we got to see that when we did the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't talked about that in this episode at all, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is almost hard to believe that such a huge project and we're kind of already on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the amount of research and time that went into finding the right screen, finding the right projector, um, coming up with a new stage layout or stage design with the wood boards, and um, not just the that week of actually implementing it and all of the stress leading up to Thursday night and Austin Bowen on the lift picking up the projector um, and us having no idea if it was going to work and, and uh, the moments of Nathan and Grayson and others hanging off the side of the, <laughs> the stage Nailing wall. in boards. <laughs> um, and the amount of work, but just the planning that went into it. And, and I, I mean, it was a big investment, not nearly what we're talking about for the audio system, but um, it was for our church, so a very large investment. Um, especially into production. Um, but I think it hones in on what you're saying is to make it better. How yeah. long did we go with those two projectors, one of which had a burnout mark on it? And it looked like somebody never, peed on the screen. It <laughs> yeah. could never be centered on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did we go for go with that and then said, hey, no, it's time to make it better. And we have the resources to do it, and we have the manpower and the brain power to do it, and we did it. Um, and in my opinion, it is far better. Yeah. Um, sure, we're having issues that we're still working through and mm-hmm. still trying to make better. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like we went, uh, we underwent a massive, um, massive change um, in in workload to to do it, and we did it, um, and have seen major improvements because of it. I would say that's a. I like you bringing up the. Um, projector project because with the the sounds I feel like it kind of parallels nice with the sound system because with mm-hmm. the sound system we did um go a like pricier route for something that would like last us longer and with mm-hmm. the projector like these things are so expensive like we found some ways to be able to do something that was like maybe a little more difficult for us but more like cost effective mm-hmm. so that we yep. could like save that money and allocate it and so like, yeah, we ended up having to have my poor husband who doesn't like heights <laughs> lifting this stupid heavy projector above his head and trying to get it, like, onto the mount because, like, we weren't going to pay someone to bring in a professional <laughs> lift and, yeah. and, and mount it in a new way. We just kind of made it work with what we had because um, that was still going to serve our purpose and... Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, and, and just for everybody to know, we did not use professional, but it is safe. Yeah. We yeah. have oh, confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is not going to fall. Yeah. Just don't it walk under it on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it is very intentional. It's not over seats for yeah. that reason. Yeah. It is. It's all there. Brad was here, and he made sure we did it all correct, for <laughs> yep. sure. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, Austin, for, for coming on today. Uh, it's just an one honor to serve alongside of you on Sunday mornings and to get to do ministry alongside of you, even though our jobs look vastly different. Um, <laughs> it's still an honor. I um, appreciate uh, the input that you have had here at this church and the leadership that you've done and the decisions that you've been a part of making um, and just making Hope Fellowship as good as it can possibly be to communicate the gospel. Um, I hope that's kind of what's communicated every single episode is when we're talking about the why, whether it's the why behind production or the why behind how we do sacraments here 
here or the why behind how we have a layout of structure of service. Whatever we're talking about in any of these podcasts, I hope it, I, I, I know that it will come back to our hope and our mission is to make Christ known um, in whatever facet as excellent as possible. Um, and so it's um, Justin. It's incredible to see your heart and your heart, Hannah, um, of just how much you are passionate about something that I think a lot of people don't think mm-hmm. it's possible to be passionate about. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. Thanks for the invite. Mm-hmm. Uh, super cool. Uh, super cool opportunity to talk about it um, and be around people that think it's as interesting as I do. <laughs> uh, my wife gets annoyed quite often uh, as I kick out or reading another article or the new board we're going to get or we're going to a concert. Um in a couple of weeks uh, at the um, Peace Center. Um, oh, okay. I can't think of it. Who's coming? Um, but anyway, she was like, you just buy the tickets, do whatever, just get it. I was like, okay, <laughs> if you say so. So we were right next to the front of house uh, sound booth, and she has no idea. <laughs> well, she's about to. Well, <laughs> depends when this comes out. But <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I'm super excited to be here. It's, it's been such a cool opportunity to to even just think about some of the things that you guys have had to say, especially you, Nathan, as having um, little to no experience with audio. It's been neat to hear your perspective. And um, I really appreciate Devil cause Devil's Advocate, and um, especially in this, and welcome um, anybody's feedback and, and questions about why we do something or, or things like that. Maybe not your complaints. You can hold them to yourself. <laughs> but um, questions, like, I, I would love to hear, especially when it's you're really struggling, like, Hey, I love hope, but I'm struggling that you spent this much money on this or that you did this. I would love to sit down and, and yeah. talk about, hey, here's why, um, and let's really talk it out and and see how you feel and, and get to the bottom of it. So I appreciate that yeah. you you've created a space for us to talk about that here, and, and I hope that that um, resonates with other people as they get to listen to this. Before you go, we have to ask, uh, what is? I know you're not much of a reader, mm-hmm. so what is a book or a movie? that you would have to absolutely recommend anyone either read or watch? Oh, boy. <laughs> you are right. I'm not a reader. It can't be the Bible. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, you could do music recommendations. Oh, okay, so. Hannah would tell you that I uh, love passion music. It's probably my go-to Christian artist. Um, very weirdly, Lauren's kind of frustrated about this, too. Very weirdly. Um, I've been into like breakup songs. Uh, <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah, no, we're doing great. Uh, I've said some uh, things about Lauren. She is incredible. Um, uh, best wife I've ever had. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely I could, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Cass <laughs> um, is my best one too. It's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, I've been obsessed with the live from rehearsals album that Passion just came out with. Um, so especially their version of You Are the Lord um, and A Thousand Names uh, has been so, so good. Um, and I, I've been pretty obsessed with that, uh, listening to it nonstop uh, and low-key hoping and putting in some feelers with Hannah and Susan <laughs> that we'll see some of that music on Sunday mornings. <laughs> so here, not to put you on the spot or anything, but... Uh, I did just know. find the live from rehearsals album this past week. As I, was I will have to check music, it out. So. I have not heard yeah. of it. so Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yep. So right. good. Awesome. Well, thanks for having you. Have a great week. And uh, we love you. And yeah. <laughs> thanks, See you guys. And uh, thank you as well to all of you who've been listening with us and uh, enjoying this conversation with Austin about production 
in ministry and specifically here at Hope Fellowship. We are so excited to continue this series next week as we take a look into leadership at Hope Fellowship uh, with a discussion with our very own Josh Geiger and David Goff. You're not going to want to miss that. So tune in next Monday for that episode. Uh, And in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, don't forget you can email us at podcast at hopeandanderson.com. Can't wait to hear from you and hope you guys have a great week.